Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hello, and welcome to episode 10, the Roy Hallou episode of the No Block, No Rock podcast. This is one of your hosts, Jared Hall. Mike Delaware. And I'm Eric Morrow. And this is the part where Mike comes in and tells us about our sponsor, Javi's Tacos. Yeah, so uh, like we tell you every week, our podcast is brought to you by Javi's Tacos in Omaha. Their new location is officially open on 171st and Center. So if you haven't been to Hobby's Tacos, please go give it a try. Okay. Tenth episode, double digits. Have we made it, guys? I think we made it. Yeah, like, like I got this email yesterday. Yeah, from Real, Carlos, right? Yeah, this guy named Carlos who works for uh, Pod Status. Yeah. And uh, he gave us some interesting news that I shared on Twitter for uh, some of you that follow us there. Um, we are rated as the number 246th out of all football podcasts in the last 30 days. And uh, we couldn't be there without you guys, so, yeah, so thank, thank you. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys, for listening. Um, let's let's keep climbing those charts. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's next week or next month we want to be in the 100. So if you could start sharing with your families and friends, please do. It's pretty bold, but I like it. Yeah. All right. Well, spring has sprung Woo! officially. Yeah. Press conference yesterday. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> it's too early to say that. It's a new season. Yeah. Right? New season. Spring is a time. <laughs> Spring has a time for new uh, horizons and stuff. Yeah, super seniors and <laughs> super seniors. and shitty press conferences and Well, speaking of, um maybe let's just touch on like some things that were noteworthy. What was the most noteworthy thing that you guys remember about Scott Frost's press conference in particular? Was there uh, any question or answer that was hopping out at you? Um, I think the urgency uh, to reschedule that that game on September 4th. You know, before we were going to be playing in Ireland, and so we we were going to play Ireland in week zero. And then week one was supposed to be a bye week to give the guys, you know, a week off before they jump into the the Oklahoma – no, Buffalo. uh, Ass kicking. Um, And uh, so I understand it from that standpoint. But now that the Illinois game has been moved back to the United States, Scott Frost reiterated in the press conference that – we need to play a game in week one. Like, believe it or not, we need all the reps we can get. And taking a, playing one game and then taking a bye week is kind of silly and doesn't really prepare you for teams like Oklahoma and that Big Ten schedule that we have in front of us. So I think the urgency is, I mean, that's a big deal. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm just a guy who you look at the schedule, you just play it as it is. Don't try to be all freaking... Don't try to get all crafty with your schedule. Just play it as it is. Like, I get it. You want to prepare and all that. That's fine. I see your point. I'm just, I just don't think we're in a position to be all like, let's, Southeast and Louisiana, I know that you guys had plans, but now you have to change those. And like, yeah, I guess I know that they're Southeast Louisiana, wherever the frick they're from, but 
It's like, come on, let's just play the way it is. I get it. I know. we got to prepare for OU and all that. But eh. Hey, and those guys, um, believe it or not, we're paying them probably a million dollars to come play us. So if they want that money, which every university is really hurting for money, so yeah. I think they're going to jump when we say. They'll say how high, and I, I think they'll accommodate us. And if they don't, I think we will probably cancel that game later in the season and we'll find a different opponent. Well, and like, I'm just thinking of this now, but – if they don't move the Southeastern Louisiana game before the Oklahoma game, I just feel like that's just another excuse waiting to happen. Oh, no. So, like, oh, the reason why we got our butts kicked is because we didn't have that game for a tune-up. It's just like, oh, my God, just another thing. But, <laughs> but hey, again, that's my cynical side coming out. If if the team's going to be better for it, all right, let's, let's try to do it, I guess. But I'm just not – I'm not going to – I'm not going to lose any sleep over the rescheduling of this game. That's just me. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. Eric, what do you think? Well, Jared, first, I believe that Southeast Louisiana is in Louisiana somewhere, as you asked where they were. So, well, directional, um, you know, <laughs> northeastern, easteastern, um, whatever. I only listened to about half of it and thought it was just the same like word salad he's always spewed about. The talent's the best it's ever been. Uh, we're all excited. Or we're trying to just improve and go win games. Blah 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 blah. Like at this point, who cares? I want to see results on the field. I don't really care about what you say in the spring anymore. Yeah, I don't care. Uh, you know, and I said this to Mike before we started. I, I might contradict you a little bit. Like I was telling Mike, I felt like his demeanor. It just seemed different. Like it just seemed like he. You know, he fully realizes the position that he's in, how dire this year is. And, yeah, of course, if you have a pulse, you're going to know what kind of – I mean, the, the seat's kind of hot. I mean, it is what it is. And I just I just think – I think his attitude and, like, his demeanor was just different. He just came off different and more, like, maybe stern or serious or something. Like, there wasn't – there wasn't, like, a cute – little soundbite or anything that I remember. I don't know. I just felt like his attitude was different. So you're saying it's a good thing, right? Yeah. I, yeah. You know, I think he's showing urgency, you know, but like I said, if, if you, if you have any brain in your head, you should know what kind of situation you're in. But, but it also takes me back to the Oklahoma question that was asked this week. (laughs) No, Scott Frost showed that he's a good dancer. He, he danced all around that question. He's a good little ballerina. Yeah, I, he was working Tip-toe. on his ballet skills when he Tip-toe. was in the NFL, oh, tiptoeing around shit. Come on. Well, you guys already know. Look, I went off last, what, two weeks ago about this. You already know my thoughts. He did not give a great answer to that question. He said he didn't really know where the decision, you know, germinated from, where it started. And it's like, ugh. Come on, dude. You as a Nebraska as Nebraska fans, it's it's like a freaking insult to say that. We know better. You're not gonna make any freaking changes to the schedule without consulting not just the head coach first, but I mean Scott Frost, who's the savior, right? So of course he's gonna make the, the decision to change the game. He's acting like you don't know. <laughs> Get out. Yeah. yeah, I already went off about this two weeks ago. Mike, do you have anything to add about the Oklahoma comment question? <sighs> Tiptoeing, dancing. Okay, my here's my thing about it is Scott, in my opinion, 
always says what the fans want him to say. In this scenario, he tried his best by starting out with, you know, I'm a Nebraska boy. I remember being in those games and watching Billy Sims and blah, blah, blah play, you know, Memorial Stadium and us kicking their butts and blah, blah, blah. Okay. (laughs) He said all the right things for all those fans that love to hear that crap. Uh What that says to me (laughs) is, yeah, I knew all about it, and he kept mentioning the word budget, you know, budget cuts, budget cuts. We need to save money. We lost a lot of money. Lincoln starving. We're starving. Our, you know, yes, the community as a whole, but get in fucking line, man. Like, we know, like we've said in previous episodes, Nebraska still made money last year, and although our athletic budget took a little bit of a hit, probably due to a couple of things, obviously COVID, but the fact that we're building new facilities for our players and everything else, that probably plays in the budget a little bit. And so I don't really have sympathy for it. And that, that's not, and we said this before, it's not a valid excuse to cancel a game like that yeah. because it's not just one game, it's a series. And that was going to be a total black eye for the university if that were to happen. So yeah. back to what we said in previous episodes, we're glad it didn't get canceled we don't need to talk about this anymore until later in the year when we play Oklahoma and the media's blowing it up again. The game's happening. It's happening. Yay, let's, it's happening. Let's move on to something. This other announcement that Scott talked about in his press conference was interesting and kind of changed what we thought was going to happen. We thought that Bill Bush would be the the special teams guy for the, the program. And uh, turns out we swung and missed on that, as did most people. He officially announced that Coach Dawson is now going to be the special teams coordinator, um, along with coaching the outside linebackers. And I think it's interesting. What, what do you guys think about that? Well, I think that, you know, Bill Bush is still going to sprinkle his, you know, he's just, he, it's not going to be the title. You know, Mike Dawson's, he did it at Boston College for like three years. He's got experience doing it. It's nice to put a face to the special team so we can blame someone for sure this time. Yep, fall guy. <laughs> for, for all the shitty things that happen, we can say, Fire Dawson! Even if the linebackers are <laughs> Chuck Benerics all over the place. <laughs> I mean, but, you know, we had Javon, Javon DeWitt. He was the face a couple years ago. It's just another face that you're putting to this phase of the game. I think it's fine. I think it's, I think it's better than having some dude doing it remotely. Like or Rutledge. however Rutledge did yeah. it, you know. So yeah, exactly, you know. Cool. Let's let's do it. Let's go. It's, yeah, I do like we're gonna have one on the field again, but at the same time, insanity is what doing the same thing over and over again, expecting the different results. And for as long as I can remember, Nebraska has never had its own. Sp- special teams coach. Well, they they did under Riley, except I think he was fired after the first season. So you need to have a person assigned to it because otherwise it just gets thrown on the back burner and who's to say it won't happen again? Well, yeah, I think during the press conference, um, Frost said like every coach had their like say yep. in special teams. And it's like when you have that, you're going to have miscommunication. You're going to have guys maybe hear different messages Hopefully there's going to be a consistent message. And look, you know, we have Culp, Big Ten kicker of the year, right? Yeah. Uh, Cherney, hopefully he's healthy. Our kickoff coverage is probably, we'll just say, the worst in the nation. We'll just say that for to keep it really simple. It's very, very bad. So, you know, 
Well, and okay, so I think it's good that we have a guy assigned to it. But then if you look, if you guys listen to the Chenander press conference, he was talking about how, uh, you know, the staff is still going to help in any way they can with, with special teams. So to me, I think he's just putting a face to it. I think it's going to be the same same shit that has been going on since the staff got here. Ooh, that's, but that's kind of negative. It's kind of yeah. it is negative. Yeah. It, it okay. is negative. Um, like we said in previous episodes, I think Scott should have put that on himself, and he should have called special teams. I think great coaches call special teams. They should be responsible for that unit because special teams is probably the most important. Thing on your team, and and it's like the unsung hero of your team. If you have great field position, if you have a guy can, who can kick it through the end zone, if you have guys who can make field goals and and get you good, you know, good returns in the punt and the kick game. Yeah, that, I mean, those are big things that help your offense and your defense throughout the game. Yeah, episode one, I went off about Frank Beamer, right? Yeah. So Beamer ball. You know, uh, having the head guy emphasizes that phase of the game. And we, when you lose games by one score or less, just takes that little bit of difference. Yeah, it's right? that it's that ten yards in, in kick coverage. Those, those hidden those hidden yards that even like freaking blocks in the back and all that sh- stuff that happen on returns, and it's just like I don't know. I just uh, if you don't if you don't believe that Dawson's the the coach, I mean, what you're basically saying is. Scott Frost hasn't learned his lesson, and he's not making the necessary changes to get better. Well, and it kind Damn. of backs what we talked about before, too, well, where we I personally thought, like, Verdusco needed to be the fall guy, and if we were going to shake up this staff, if he didn't want to go with a full-time special teams guy, that we needed to shake up the staff, and Scott stuck to his guns, and he kept the guys in place. So it, this goes right back to that. You're keeping your guys in place again, and – Back to Eric's comment about insanity, you're repeating and doing the same thing over and over again, and what do you have to show for it? You're 12 and 20. So why wouldn't you shake this up? I think special teams is being overlooked again, in my opinion. Mike, it's great that you said that the head coach should be in charge of it because Urban Meyer has been like very outspoken in the past about like special teams and importance, and he was in charge of the units on his teams, and the thing that sets him, that set him apart is that he played his starters on the special teams. He, he didn't have the third string like walk-ons do it. So maybe keeping all your best players out there against other teams, maybe not so best players. I don't know. I totally agree with that. I think you need to stop playing those young guys to get them on the field. I understand the importance of getting those young guys looks, but I'd rather get them reps, maybe a couple reps a game on, in their actual position instead of being on special teams where we've seen blown coverages and just parting the Red Sea of just holes on our fucking kick coverage. Like, we don't need those type of mistakes by young guys. Yeah. Like, we can have a young guy come in on as a linebacker for a play or two to give him those game reps. We don't need those guys out on kick coverage and not staying in their lanes or doing what the, what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah, and like – you do that so you give your younger guys experience, but honestly, all they're really doing is they're just sprinting down the field, right? It's not like they're doing anything like necessarily fundamental, right? No, it's not like they're becoming better players. I mean, yeah, you're you're sh- shooting them out of the bullet and you're putting them in, a, you're throwing them in the fire or whatever. Like here we go, 
full speed, like get used to the college game, but it's just like und- if you have young guys, they're going to be undisciplined, right? And so I think you're seeing that in the kickoff coverage. Yeah, so I mean, absolutely. I, and it's it's one of those things like, okay, you're telling a guy you're going to play this position. You're going to be our future. But for now, we want to, when we want to get you reps on special teams. Who cares? Like, they didn't come here to play special teams. Yeah, and then that that's just going to, like, permeate an attitude of, damn it, I'm on special teams. Yeah. And then that's going to kill your chemistry locker, locker yeah. room chemistry or whatever. I remember the kickoff or a turn against Rutgers that they took back. Their turner ran a literal straight line. Like, the down the field. <laughs> like... <laughs> so returning a kick is one thing, but I don't think I've ever seen a guy go in a direct straight line like all the way that down the field. Untouched. Yes. Untouched. You know, you know all, who else did that in the game? Forrest Gump. <laughs> Forrest Gump did that. The, the funny part about the guy for Rutgers that, that returned that on us is he did it the year prior oh, with Wisconsin. Yeah, so, like, that is – that's just proving – that if you do the same things over and over again, they don't fucking work. <laughs> they supposedly had a game plan of do not kick it to Crookshank. You see that guy that's standing there? No. No, not him. Just kick it out of bounds. Dude, kick it behind you. <laughs> Caleb, that's a Caleb Lightborn special. <laughs> Damn. It was a similar situation in that Wisconsin game, too. We had just gotten like back in the game with a touchdown. And <laughs> see ya. The next Freaking play. God. Okay. Special teams. Special teams. They're very important. Let's hope they take those right steps and Mr. Dawson's the guy. Mr. I think – I don't think – I'm not as cynical as you are on this, like, which is surprising. That's surprising. Like, I do think that he's kind of got Dawson in charge of it. God, I hope so. Oh, man. If not. Um, But there is one other thing during the press conference that was interesting to me. Okay. It's disappointing – that a reporter asked it in this way, but, and I'm paraphrasing, it's about the power run game. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now, Scott didn't go out of his way to say it himself. Like, a reporter asked him the way that they've been recruiting with all these big guys. Yep. Big linemen, big receivers. And then you look at Step, Marvin Scott, like these kind of big body dudes. Are you moving towards a power game oriented offense? And, of course, you know, his answer is living in Nebraska and being a Nebraska coach. Of course, he's going to say, well, yeah. I'm just hoping that that's what it actually moved towards. Because you look at Rutgers, it's like, hey, it looks like you are on your way to an identity here. Yep. So I'm hoping that he's not just blowing smoke and saying, yes, power run to get the run the damn ball guys happy. I hope he actually means it. Look at... What the very good Michigan State teams did, what Iowa does, what Northwestern does, what Wisconsin does on offense. What do they do? They run the ball. There you go. Yeah, they have big old linemen. So is he finally figuring out that, like, hey, I don't need to be all fancy. Just run the ball and see what happens. Yeah, okay, and like I said earlier, I remember having a thought in my head, like, is Scott – kind of realizing how to become a power five head coach. Is he realizing that I can't take whatever whatever worked in the AAC and bring it to the Big Ten? That comment that I made 
about having the Big Ten adjust to us. Okay, you know what, Big Ten? You got me. Yep. Okay. Put your hands up. I, you got me, guys. Uh, I'm, cha- I'm changing now. I'm adjusting. I truly hope that this is Scott's, like, what do we want to say it? Like, a revelation. Like, okay, you know what? My way didn't work. I'm in the Big Ten. Let's change things up. And all those explosive plays that I was betting my offense on making, it's just not working out that way. Um, I think last year they only had one play of 40 yards or more. This Was this his moment of saying, you know what, my Walt Disney offense, it's just not working. So I'm, I'm doing what I have to do to win at Nebraska, and I'm making changes. Uh, and I, he doesn't like it, yeah. obviously. He wants to do it like his way because, you know, I came from Oregon, and I, I won a national championship. I'm doing the quote marks or the quote signs. So this is him making changes to win at Nebraska. That's what I'm hoping. Mike? Yeah. So let's let's hope so. Let's hope he's finally making adjustments because that's what good coaches do. Yes. If you look at well, here we go again with the Nick Saban talk. But let's just let's look at it really quick. If you look at Nick Saban and look at his offense. When he first got to Alabama and most of his years, even with success, he had a pro-style offense. The guy had no mobile quarterbacks. Uh, I mean, they were a power run type of team. They really were. Now, when they brought in Elaine Kiffin and they brought in some other offensive coordinators, Nick Saban has adjusted his offensive style and the way he recruits to get guys who can spread the field out. And they, they run a spread offense now. So guys adapt to the times. They really do. Uh, I think Jim Harbaugh is getting a little taste of this as well because he's trying to stick with this same pro-style crap that he's been running that he ran at Stanford and that he ran in the NFL. That stuff works there, but it doesn't work in the league like the Big Ten. And I think Jim Harbaugh is having to do that same realization that he needs to adjust for this league, especially for Big Brother Ohio State. Mm -hmm. And back to that press conference, Scott Frost, I agree with you. I think he sounded open-minded. But on the flip side, he also gave his normal signature remark um, where he wanted to kind of show his ego a little bit by saying, well, we still run the same plays that were ran back in the 90s and back in the day. We're still running counters. We're still running power runs. We're just doing that not under center. To me, I hope that means that, yes, I, I agree with your question. Yes, we're going to adjust to the league. But I hope it doesn't mean, oh, we've already been doing that. We're just doing it out of shotgun, and you guys just don't understand. Yeah. So let's hope that he is adjusting, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I mean, his comment where he's saying oh, we're doing the same stuff out of shotgun uh, raises some questions in my book, but I don't know. No, I see your point because he's kind of giving off a message like, no, listen, this is going to work. It just hasn't so far, yeah. but I promise, guys, I've done it before. I know what I'm doing. I hope you're wrong, Mike. I, c- I can't believe I'm being the hope the hopeful guy here. Yeah, I'm. Hey, I'm trying to. <laughs> I I personally didn't like the press conference, as you could tell. Okay. I wanted to get really hyped up for for spring, and I still am. Like I'm super excited to get those guys a full spring to get some of those younger guys the reps they need because at the end of the day, you still need reps to be a better player. Like you have to practice and. 
although we were in a weird COVID year, I think a lot of those young guys missed out on the reps that were necessary to take those next step forward. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited. I'm so excited for spring. I'm so excited for the spring game that's going to be uh, next month. But on the flip side, Scott gave his signature press conference, in my opinion. Okay. I'm glad you took other things from it than I did. But, yeah, uh, let's let's just move on to spring, all right? Spring. Let's, let's bring it to more of a positive thing, what we're excited to see. Obviously, we can start with the main guy. Adrian is the guy. There isn't another guy to push him. Mm-hmm. It's going to be less storylines in the quarterback room, which is probably a good thing. I think Adrian could use that, less stress on him, and we'll see. Well, it could be bad, too, because if he doesn't have competition – yeah, I mean, but you know. he got pushed last year, and we saw how that went. So that's true. And no, uh, Terry Wilson. Terry Wilson is going to New Mexico New State. Mexico State. Is it New Mexico or New Mexico? No, State? just just playing New Mexico. Okay, so that's off the table. Yep. Bye, um, Terry. So if you look at the quarterback room, it's Adrian, Logan, Harburg, Logan Smothers, the ghost. Yeah. That we still haven't seen. You know, uh, I just hope this is not a potential. Like disaster, I think. I, I think Scott's got to go shopping, and we've said this on Twitter. I think Scott's going to go shopping here after spring. We'll see what steps and strides uh, these guys take. But at the end of the day, the most important reps are in-game reps, and none of those guys have seen the field. And once again, Adrian hasn't proven that he can play a full season. He doesn't have that durability. I'm not saying he doesn't play through injuries, because he does. He's a tough kid, great leader. But on the flip side. He hasn't proven that he can play every game. And even in a shortened season, he, he still was banged up last year. So, I mean, come on. We, we need a guy to go out there and play all 12 games. And I don't know if Adrian's going to be able to do that. And I don't like that the backup options are two guys that have played as much football as you and I. Yeah. Like. <laughs> um, but I will say... If if we are to move towards this power oriented offense, oh yeah, I do like our tight ends. Love them. Got Austin Allen, got Vokalek, two big body dudes. Uh, we said like a few weeks ago, if you look at past tight ends that we've had, we haven't taken advantage of their abilities. Yep. I mean, quite frankly, they still make the league, but they just weren't very productive here yep. at Nebraska, and that's not necessarily their fault. Stephen Carter. Mm. <laughs> exactly. Sorry, guys, I had a little. <laughs> but, you know, I'm looking at them, and I'm hoping that we'll take advantage of their size. You look at Samari Torre, supposedly he's going to be in the slot. I don't know if you heard that part. He's going to be in the slot. I love that, though. It, let skinny, me talk. Post, skinny post route all day? Is that what we're doing? Okay. Hey. Th- this is the advantage of throwing that guy in the slot, though. So he was an All-American at the FCS level. He was. You have a guy that if you're playing in the slot, unlike Wandale, this is what Wandale was supposed to be, a guy that can outrun linebackers, you can't put a safety on him, etc. You got a guy who is an All-American at the FCS level that there is no freaking linebacker that's going to be able to cover him. There is no safety that's going to be able to cover him. And that, that requires defenses to put an extra corner out there. And what does that do for your new power run offense? And he's a big guy, so he can block. He, I mean, he, he's going to deserve the rock. He's going to have to block a lot this year. Yeah, if uh, you have a guy like that in the slot, and he can hopefully he can block. Hopefully. Yeah, no, I, I think he can we block. We don't know because he has not played a snap yet. Yes, but he's so a big wanna, body guy. You're right. He's big, a big body guy. On paper, okay? yes. I love it. I love him in the slot. He's a mismatch. 
He is a mismatch for any linebacker, any safety. If Torre, if he doesn't block, you don't get the you rock. You don't get a rock. <laughs> yeah, no, he's going to get the rock. So, uh, I mean, another guy that Scott raved a little bit about in the press conference, and I think Lubick did a little bit too, is Oliver Martin. He was a highly touted kid out of high school, uh, went to Michigan, went to Iowa, and now he's here. Yeah. But now that he's learning the offense and he tested well in this bullshit 90s rating scale that they brought back, <laughs> I mean, it's it's cool. I mean, I think Oliver Martin could be a, a, an asset. I mean, imagine if you have Omar, Xavier Betts, Oliver Martin, and Torre all out in the field at so, the same time. So that was six six foot three, six foot two, six foot three, six foot two. Bigger, bigger dudes. Big body dudes. So they they definitely have a target. Like this is these are the type of dudes we're going for. Yeah, there's a plan there. Let's just hope it comes to fruition. Yeah. Well, and we still have those small guys like Alante Brown. I see it. Yeah. He's still gonna have a role in this offense. I think uh, Will Nixon's gonna have a role in this offense. Those smaller, quicker guys are still gonna be used, but maybe not to the way that Wandale was used. Wand- there's no more 160-pound receivers getting thrown between the middle of the tackles. It's not going to happen. I mean, yeah, there's you know probably more factors into why he left, but I think that was a big part was I mean, he was freaking running back half the time. Yeah. Like, if you're 170 pounds, he's probably less than that, and you're freaking running between the tackles. In the Big Ten. In, in the Dude, the CTE is real, man. Yeah. And I'm not saying he has it. I'm just saying he would have gotten it if he would have stayed here. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's a big reason why he's why he left. While we talk about the Wandale thing one more time, I just want to reiterate why this is okay that he's no longer here. His counterpart that people compared him to was Rondell Moore. They were both from Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Rondell Moore just did his pro day. And this is how impressive Rondell Moore is, and I – do not see Wandell being that same type of player. Rondell Moore ran a 4-3-3-40. It had a 42-and-a-half-inch vertical in, in his pro day. It's pretty good. Can you imagine Wandell, who was tracked from behind a couple times in his career at Nebraska, sure. do you think he, ran, he runs a 4-3-3 and has a 43-inch vertical? Come on. No. Like, I just wanted to touch on that really quick because the people who were stressing about losing Wan, or Wandell – I was more upset losing Wandell from him. you know you gave him the keys to your you know to your car, and then he walked away. More than his talent level because I think Alante Brown, a Will Nixon, those guys can fill right in um, in that short slot quick guy role. But I like the big body receivers. I mean, yeah, and like you go to the running back room just real quick. I think part of the reason why he had to play running back was because that room was just kind of decimated. I mean, you didn't have Step there, obviously. Um, Mills is gone. So you look now. We have Step. We've got um, Marvin Scott, two similar body dudes. You've got Ramir. Um, you've got Sevion. You've got Ronald Tompkins. And those last three dudes that I mentioned, I'm just, I don't think they're big ten backs, honestly. I don't see... I mean, because half the reason why they didn't play last year is because they were always banged up for some reason. And I know Sevion had – he had COVID. That room is – it's there's a lot of names. Yeah. I'm just not sure how productive they're going to be. They're all very small. Those last three dudes I mentioned besides Scott and Step. So no, we'll I think see. Sevion's not that small of a guy. Okay. But he's more of like your Maurice Washington type of back versus a, a Diedrich Mills. He's not, he's not a, a bruiser by any means. Um – 
Did we want to kind of touch on like defense or super seniors? Super seniors, yes. Ten ten year seniors. Yeah, they got coming back. Yeah, let's let's touch on okay. those guys quickly. Yeah. Uh, up excited. front, I'm excited, dude. That's it. I'm excited about those dudes. Yeah, and like, it's just been disappointing. Um, when you think about Nebraska, you think about the pipeline, the dudes up front. I know we didn't talk about it on offense, but defensive line, you got a lot of dudes coming back. Stilly, Ty Robinson, Casey Rogers, Daniels. I'm sorry if I'm missing another ten-year senior. No, you're not. <laughs> and and I think uh, a name that was thrown around a little bit in the in the press conference with some of the players and coaches was that uh, Hush Hushmacher or husband. Uh, Nutmasher, the the polar bear. <laughs> yeah, the polar Hutt-Mocker, bear. Hutmacher, yeah. Yeah, Hutmacher. He is uh, he's lighting up the weight room, and he's he's a big strong guy. So yeah, I love the weight room. It, I think if, uh, <laughs> at a position group, depth is at defensive line. Depth is a uh, is key in that in this league. Right. And when you got guys can, that can only play three or four snaps, you know, at a time like <laughs> a Damian Daniels, yeah. it'll be nice to rotate in some of these big young guys too. So yeah. and Ben Steely coming back. I think it's good. I mean, what is he, 30? 30 years old? <laughs> so, whatever. That's good, He's though. He's got a 401k. Yeah. <laughs> He's got three kids and a dog. What big offense. Um, JoJo said some cool things, though. Yeah, and what, what did JoJo say? So, JoJo, they asked him about taking some of these younger guys under his wing, and he won. Well, let's go back a little bit. He also said he came back for one thing. He came back, he has unfinished business, and he wants to establish culture here in Nebraska yeah. that will carry on beyond his years. Yes! Those are all the things I want to hear from a guy like JoJo because he actually walks the walk. That dude plays a – I don't remember what they called it in Bo Pliny's offense, but that I mean, linebacker – Rover. That's, uh, that's like the throwback term is Rover. Yeah, but I, I mean he plays that linebacker safety type of role yeah. that you need to be big like a linebacker but fast like a corner. And – Dude, he kept up with the Purdue receivers yeah. last year. And yeah. Both of them. And he was there all – I mean, he was around all game. Yeah. So, I think JoJo, and he's bringing in a Javin Wright and uh, and uh, Gifford. He's yeah. bringing those guys in under their wing, and those guys are also just great athletes. So, yeah. he, I'm glad that super senior is back because he's going to be a great asset for this team. Well, yeah, he's, he's the dude that, you know, he's going to have that C on his chest. Yeah. Like, that's just a given. He has to. He's definitely a captain. Like, he doesn't just talk. He makes plays. Um, I think he's going to go into the league. I don't know what round, but I think he's a sixth, seventh rounder. I think uh, Nate Geary is a a good comparison to JoJo. I think both athletes. I think Nate plays like a nickel linebacker now in the NFL, safety rover type guy anyway. So, uh, good comparisons. Speaking of... The thirty-year-olds isn't JoJo like the thirty-five at this point, but no. Um, <laughs> I think he's one of the younger, older guys. Yeah, <laughs> whatever that uh, means, whatever that's worth. I'm actually yeah, jo- JoJo b- being back. He's been through it all. He's played for three coaches, I think. Anyway, I'm actually really excited to see the the linebackers because in in the past years it didn't have a lot of depth. Now it's, they have it. Everyone coming back, and you add in Polar Evic, and plus you know Winden and. Uh, that McKay-Gabayer kid, the uh, the room like has some depth, and the young kids can learn from the older. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm intrigued by the line back in core. 
Yeah. Well, and I think those super seniors are essentially is like having coaches on the field. Like they, they have been in this program and this system long enough that they can start leading and making those, those adjustments on the field. And it's like having a coach on the field with you. Yeah. Chinander said that, you know, I think a few times during his presser, coaches on the field, coaches on the field. Right. So, and then just to touch on the secondary, like you said, we have Dismuke coming back, Deontay Williams coming back. I think that's good. CTB, Cam Taylor Britt's coming back. That's great. Yep. Need um, him. A corner on the other side. Don't know for sure yet. I'm but thinking. Newsome or uh, I think it's going to be Braxton Clark. Or Nadab Joseph. I mean, he was recruited by every SEC school around. I mean, highly touted kid. And he was one of those guys that I think this is a big spring for him. Yeah. Uh, the thing about Braxton Clark is he's like six foot four. It's like, dang, okay. Big hopefully, guy. hopefully that plays. Yeah. That should play. You know. Well, well, but in time already, he looked pretty good. I w- yeah. I wish he could stay healthy. I mean, he's missed like two full seasons away with injury now. The poor guy. But shit. Well, and, I mean, if he stays healthy, yeah, throw him out there. Yeah. And you could say the same thing about Miles Farmer. Yeah. His first start. Northwestern. Two picks. What does he do? Two picks. Yep. And then... Breaks his leg. He has that freaking freak Purdue injury before the game even starts. Yep. I think he was wearing a hoodie, probably. <laughs> wearing a hoodie. Uh, yeah, then he's like carted off the field. It's like, dang, man, what happened? It's like, does, does anyone even know what happened to him? He just... It was one of those, like, non-contact injuries, so... Like the Purdue grass, just that yeah. shitty... Yeah. Dirt clod. I think he was like he was like pivoting or something on like trying to make a route or whatever. But and speaking of that of that uh, Northwestern game, did he like even play in the second half of that? I don't think he did. And that was the thing is he had the two picks and then he just ghosted. All right, wrap up the the defense with this. If if CTB improves on last year, can he be a first rounder? Um. Whew. I don't know about that, but I think he could. He has potential to be all Big Ten, like first team. Oh yeah, I think he's got that potential for sure. Yeah, and if you look at like past high round corners, I mean, you think of like Fabian Washington, you think of Prince McCarran. I think he's right in right in that mold. I think he's. I think so. Alfonso Dennard, he would have been the first round pick, but he got in some trouble. But he was. But he he could ball. Yeah, he was a baller. Yeah. Um. um so any more football things we want to touch on? No, I don't think because so. Because now we got to talk about we're a some... baseball pod now. Yeah, let's go <laughs> for the next I don't know five minutes or less. We're no, a baseball pod. No brace ball. No brace ball. <laughs> God, we are not using that shit. No brace ball. Bit like we do kind of. I mean, big red baseball, whatever. I don't know. Um, but hey, four game sweep of Minnesota. Minnesota is trash. Okay. Yep. But what do good teams do? They win the games they're supposed to win. They don't. They not only win the games they're supposed to win, but they kick the shit out of the other team. Hell. They did. Yes. There was there was one game in there where it was kind of like a. I think the crowd played a big factor because Minnesota unraveled in the late innings, of I think it was game two. Yeah, and it was like oh. They're going to lose to Minnesota like this, but then Minnesota just unravels. Like, there was a, a dropped ball on the, on the outfield by a Minnesota outfielder. 
and it was just it just unraveled from there. So, and Spencer Schwellenbach, he was named the Eric. What was it exactly? The do you remember? John Olrude, two way player of the week. Keep an eye on him in the draft. He's probably going as a pitcher, but yeah, he's throwing. He's throwing gas. Ninety nine. With movement. It's not just a straight 99. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, Trevor Rosenthal. Just straight 99. <laughs> I just mean, 99 is 99. I'm not going to lie. Hey, look. If I could throw 99, shoot. <laughs> if I could throw 80. <laughs> um, but, and Cade Povich was named the Big Ten Pitcher of the Week. Yeah. Great. Yep. So, they're kind of at the top of the pack. You got Nebraska, Indiana, and Michigan. They're kind of separating themselves from everyone else. And with the Big Ten protocols this year, where they can only play... Dude, it's ridiculous. They can't play any out-of-conference games. They can only play in-conference. There's no midweek games. And so making the NCAA tournament, I think it's going to be a pain in the ass. I predict that Nebraska will probably have to win the conference. And I know, Eric, you disagree, I think. What what's your thoughts on that? Based on what I know about college baseball, I think if there's like a three or four team pack that separates itself, and currently there is, yeah, I think all three will get a consideration. I don't know if they'll get if they'll get in, but I think all three will be considered. And of course, it all it depends on how you know if Iowa can go on a little bit of a run or like Ohio State on a little bit of a run. But baseball America had they had Nebraska already in, so if they can keep winning games mm-hmm. and like force the committee to say no, I think a Nebraska season like legitimately is could come down to the four games against Indiana and the three against Michigan. Michigan yeah. yeah, and let me ask you this, guys: if Nebraska does get that bid into the NCAA tournament, mm-hmm. would the Big Ten even allow them to play? Since they are conference only currently. Yes, because it is not a Big Ten event, and so they don't have any say over it. Okay, there you go. There you go. Um, look, Will Bolt. I mean, he's he's giving us results. Yeah. A men's team is finding success. Thank God. Um, it's you know for for Nebraska baseball, it hasn't always been like that terrible. Like they won the Big Ten a few years ago with Erstad. It's not like they've been a freaking bottom dweller for many years or anything like that. But, I mean, this is this is a program that saw great success in the early 2000s, going to the CWS a few times. It's freaking hard to make it to Omaha. Yeah. And they did it three times in, in the like early Five two- years. Yeah, and that, I mean, that's a beautiful run. Yeah, Van Horn, man. And Bolt was a part of those teams, the 2001 and 2002 team. So Well, and if we would have said... Before the season, oh, let's, I don't know how, how to phrase this, but if you were to put, before these guys were hired, if you were to put Scott Frost, yeah. Fred Hoiberg, and Will Bolt in front of you, and you're mm-hmm. like, put these guys in the order of the success they're going to have at Nebraska, yeah. I don't think I would have put Will Bolt number one. No. And and he is exceeding all expectations. He's living up to the, the bid, and, and he is just showing, like, how good of a coach he is, how good of a recruiter he is. He recruits the state really well. Um, he connects with his players very well. And I think those other coaches really need to start taking note on what, what this guy's doing. I mean, obviously, they're different sports and whatnot, but this guy is, is doing the right things. He's saying the right things, and he's showing it on the field. So, Yeah, he, he was at Texas A&M yep. um, under Rob Childress. Like, 
I think he's seen what good college baseball looks like. And if I think if you coach in the South, I think it's just kind of a whole nother level. Yep. And I just think that he's, I, I hope he's bringing that like level up, up North with him. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's amazing that and and for you have to realize how crazy it is for a team in the Midwest to be good at baseball because we have less opportunities to be playing and practicing like the other teams do. Those teams in the South, they play baseball all year round. And not saying that our guys don't take those camps and go other places to play all, and practice all year round, but it's different when you can be in Florida and you could be throwing, throwing to your teammates all year round versus here in Nebraska, you know, three or four months out of the year, you can't do that at all. You can't even pick up a ball. So. Uh, well, well, even that, like all the recruiting, you know, football, the kids in Florida and Texas and California and Georgia and all those places will go play anywhere like anyone will take them because the in-state schools are so like overpopulated yeah in this in the south those kids will truly like stay in the south yeah because it's it's MLB or bust yes yeah again their schedule has been pretty weak for the most part but they're doing what they have to do they're winning games that's what good teams do I I just thought that was worthy of we thought that was worthy of shouting out yep um we we want Nebraska baseball to Drive that, that 59 miles to TV Ameritrade Park. Hell yeah. You know, that, that would just be amazing. But, well, and, and another thing, too, is us three, for you guys that are listening, we are actually all big baseball fans. We we're have not just our, latching on. I no, mean, we're really not. We're not. I like, swear we, to God. <laughs> we all are actually like big baseball guys. So this it, it, is, it is exciting to see some success back at this university. Um, we'll stay in our lane, though, when it comes to – to our, our podcast. We, we know are, we are. We know we are. We are the 246th best football podcast in America <laughs> in the last 30 days. So Soon, soon to be better. Yeah, soon to be better because of you guys. So um, I think I think we can wrap it up, though. What yeah. do you think? Yeah, let's sign off. Um, happy spring ball to everybody. Yep. Thanks for listening. Um, find us on Spotify. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Follow us on Twitter at NBNR Podcast. This is the No Block No Rock podcast. This is one of your hosts, Jared Hall. Mike Delaware. And I'm Eric Morrow. And as always, GBR.